Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hey, everyone. In this week's episode, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 13, The Return. In this episode, we see some personnel changes, Andy is getting on everyone's nerves, and the love triangle finally breaks. In this week's cold open, we see Dwight hitting the pavement and going to job interviews because, as we saw at the end of last week's episode, he quit Dunder Mifflin. And we get a look at one of his interviews, and we kind of see why Dwight is going to multiple of these. I have left Dunder Mifflin after many record-breaking years, and I am officially on the job market, and it's very exciting. For your convenience, I've broken it down into three parts. Professional resume. Athletic and special skills resume. And Dwight Schrute trivia. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. How would I describe myself? Three words. Hardworking. Alpha male. Jackhammer. Merciless. Insatiable. Yeah, he's pretty aggressive. Confident, but aggressive seeming in these interviews. So his failure to procure an office job has led him to get a sales associate job at Staples, which is ironic because that is, of course, Dunder Mifflin's biggest competitor in in the area. At the office, we see Andy showing off a new ringtone, and Jim is not all that impressed. Yes, Andy has decided to... Uh, record an acapella version of Rockin' Robin in which he performs all five harmonies. Is that the right? Yeah. Okay. All five harmonies of this ringtone. He said it took forever, which sounds like it. That sounds like a quarantine activity, actually. (laughs) Just killing some time by doing something random. And he shows off the ringtone by calling his cell phone from his desk phone. And the cold open really ends on a pretty funny note because Jim is telling the camera that he actually misses Dwight and the universe has really won here. Right. And Andy's annoyance continues into the episode itself. It is a tough episode to watch Andy. He turns it up to a 10. And it's kind of weird because... I mean, maybe he just was, like, restless that day or whatever, but, like, we never see, we have never seen this level from him before, and we will never see this level from him again, really. This is sort of an outlier for the character of Andy, and it I think it needed to happen. Like, he really had to be put in his place, as we'll see in the entire episode, to just become what his character is, and... I'll give some fun facts in the annex as to maybe why his character was chosen to be just so annoying in this episode. Yeah, he certainly has his quirks that we see before this and after this that are kind of similar to what we see here. But what we see here is like turned up to like 10. Yeah. And he is really 
grading on Michael because as we saw last episode, Andy's goal here is to be Michael's right-hand man and like his go-to guy, but also like best friends together. Yeah, he is trying to get in with Michael. He's trying to take Dwight's spot. He really is going to just appease Michael in any way possible. Whatever Michael likes, he likes. Whatever Michael doesn't like, Andy does not like. Right, so we see him at first in Michael's office as Michael is having like a one-on-one with the camera. And Andy is just kind of like sitting in the background providing commentary for whatever Michael is saying. And it's usually in like a, like you said, like an, an affirmation type thing. So Michael comments on the fact that Dwight has left and Andy's like addition by subtraction. (laughs) And Michael doesn't, doesn't get that. And he's like, that's impossible. And Andy's like, Oh yeah, I guess you're right. And so he, and this is a theme that we will see throughout this episode that yes, Andy is, very much a yes man. And we've seen Dwight in that position in Michael's office, sort of in the corner hovering while Michael is giving a one-on-one to the camera. So like we said, he's really trying to take that spot of Dwight. And we'll see this competition of Andy and Dwight continue on through the seasons, but it's not at quite the fever pitch that it is now. Later in the episode, we Michael is giving a monologue, um, and in, it's in the background of just a, a set of shots, and Michael is saying that, you know, Andy, is a, he's a good guy. They should be really good friends because he seems to like all the things that Michael likes, and, you know, he like the same movies and the same music and things like that, but... He is getting the sense that Andy is being very much. He is kind of creepy in this sense. Yeah, he is reading this creep factor and, from Andy. And while he is saying this, we are seeing shots of Andy just wandering around the office looking for Michael to hang out. And in the last shot, we see Michael is saying this, like hiding behind his door. Andy is looking everywhere he's looking in the stairwell by the elevator in the lobby in the bathroom he has checked every spot earlier in the episode he walked with michael to the break room because michael's like oh i gotta go to the bathroom and and then he stands by the bathroom door waiting for michael he thinks that as much face time as possible is the right route to go to further his career i guess which is You know what's just so funny? Andy is actually a terrible salesman. Yeah. As we saw in the the previous episode. Michael is not the only person who Andy is really bothering here. Jim is also kind of getting fed up with Andy's antics of the day. Yes, because Andy was previously sitting at Oscar's desk. And as we learned at the very beginning of the episode, Oscar is back. So Andy has to move to the recently vacated desk of Dwight, which is right across from Jim. And Jim is very much in the right here to be annoyed by Andy's actions. We see Andy sitting at the desk, just singing very, very loudly, Zombie by the Cranberries, which 
if you've heard the song has a very distinct chorus and it is like almost a yodel in parts and so andy singing this out loud could be very annoying and you imagine in an open floor plan you don't even have a cubicle but even in a cubicle farm can you imagine someone singing out loud at a loud volume just randomly yeah i don't i don't see what would compel somebody to think that yeah this is okay everybody will like this i'm gonna do it yeah andy also goes fishing for jim since he calls him big tuna he just keeps that going and goes fishing for him but the metaphor is so extended or this not it's not a metaphor this play action improv thing that he does is so extended so there's that and it is at this point so andy throws out a a hook for yeah cast cast for his tuna for tuna and this is jim's breaking point so he goes over to karen's desk and says andy is being a lot right now and karen's just like yep you just can't encourage him just move on yeah and Jim's like, I'm going to play a prank on him to basically teach him a lesson. Like, do you want in on this? And Karen says that she is super busy because her and the rest of the sales staff, besides Jim, apparently, minus Jim, <laughs> uh, is very, very busy because they have taken on all of Dwight's clients. And so Jim is kind of disheartened by that. And he goes back to his desk and... He asks Ryan, of all people, hey, do you want to pull a prank on Andy? And Ryan goes, yeah, I'd love to. Just not right now. I'm busy. Give me a call 10 years ago. Which is such a dickish thing to say. Right. But it is. I mean, it's it's a good point. Yeah. Karen is the adult in the room in this situation. Like, hey, just ignore it and move on. Let's also recall the last time that Jim pulled a prank on Andy and put his stapler in Jello, and Andy freaked out. He is not really the person to play pranks on because he's so volatile. Right, and and that's a good point. It clearly didn't work in the past to teach him a lesson, if you will. And I'm not sure how a prank is teaching anybody a lesson anyway right he just wants to mess with andy so jim goes back to old habits here and he goes to pam and asks hey do you want to play a prank on andy yeah you could tell he was trying to avoid that route by even asking ryan before pam but since he didn't get any takers that's kind of what his last resort pam agrees So Jim goes back to his desk and he clumsily knocks over his pencil cup and it spreads all over Andy's desk. And in this moment in cleaning it up, Jim steals Andy's phone and he takes it back to Pam to hold. Later in the episode, we see them head back to the kitchen area and Pam stands guard by the door while Jim climbs up and opens up a ceiling tile and he throws Andy's phone back towards the office seating area 
And his goal is to get the phone as close to Andy's area as possible. Yes. Later in the episode, Andy's phone starts ringing. And again, it is that Rockin' Robin ringtone. Super loud. Super loud. Because this is the time when people just had their cell phones ringers on all the time. Yeah, this was, so 2007 is when this episode aired. If you can take yourself back to 2007, if you had a cell phone, this was the time of having like a very long song. Like you would pay for or download popular songs to be your ringtone. This is also when you would have the ringback tones. Like if you, if someone called you, you right. could hear that. So it was very popular to have full volume song laden cell phone rings. Now, most people just have it on silent or vibrate, probably because we got to the point where it became socially annoying. Like everywhere you went, someone had a at full volume song or some sort of t- preloaded tone on their cell phone. And I mean, can you just think about it? If you watch, a, if you go to a movie now, if at some point we can ever go back to movies, there is always a commercial right before turn off your damn cell phone. And that's because, particularly people that were new to technology, were so concerned about missing a call that they had it at full volume. Um, and this would go off in meetings just at the worst moments. But now I think as a collective society, we've decided. For the most part, I think we still have some olds that are not doing this, but for the most part, just put it at vibrate. Right. I couldn't tell you what my phone ringtone is because <laughs> I never have it like from going into work and like just having to move it from off of vibrate to having the ringer on to back on to vibrate when I go to work. Like it's just not worth it. I just have it on vibrate all the time. I will say in my office, cell phones not being on vibrate is sometimes a problem. And I'll give everyone a guess as to what age demographic are the offenders. So when Pam calls Andy's phone, he's just kind of looking around for it. He, you know, is checking everywhere on his desk and checking around his desk and he just can't find it. He's getting slightly annoyed yeah a little flustered but lets it go kind of just like a oh man i can't believe i misplaced my phone somewhere type annoyance later in the episode we see jim on a phone call and andy's phone starts ringing again and this time andy gets a little more upset he starts blaming other people at this point and saying that somebody took his phone and has hidden it. And he's looking everywhere. He turns around to look in Phyllis's desk in one of her drawers and without even like missing a beat or changing what she is doing, Phyllis just slams it right as Andy is opening it. And like we said, Andy has now moved from I lost my phone to Somebody has stolen it. Give it back to me now. Yes. So Andy's efforts with Michael and the prank that Jim has played meet up in kind of the penultimate moment of the episode. 
And Andy goes to Michael as he is getting ready to go on an errand. And he asks, just asks him, hey, what's, what are you doing this weekend? Just listen, I forgot to tell you the plan for the Saturday. You, me, bar, beers, buzzed, wings, shots, drunk, waitresses, hot, football, Cornell Hofstra, slaughter, then quick nap at my place and we hit the kids down. No, I don't want to do any of that. Duh. Which is why I was joking about doing it. Just stop, stop. Just stop doing it. You're going to drive me crazy. Fine, I'll just go sit at my desk and be quiet. Sorry I annoyed you with my friendship. So Andy realizes that all of his efforts have pretty much been in vain. And Jim decides that this is the perfect time to call Andy's phone again. Side note, I just want to say that I, at least maybe every other week, say to Curtis, sorry I annoyed you with my friendship. (laughs) Very true. And probably, and it's not actually accurate, I'm probably just doing something purposely annoying to Curtis, and he's actually not saying that I'm being annoying, but it's a very apt uh, and perfect quote used in the right situation. Andy, hearing his ringtone go off, has just lost it at this point. You know, he's been spurned by Michael. He thought he was advancing his career in a weird way. And now, as he says, someone thinks it's funny to steal his personal property. And he says, it's not freaking funny. And then he turns, wheels around, and just punches straight through the wall between Michael's office and the conference room. And everybody is very much in shock at this point. And it's almost like in Andy, a switch got flipped because he immediately is just like, well, that, I guess that was an overreaction. <laughs> Whoops. And is just like toned down to the level that he normally is. Yeah, and the scene plays so well because the Rock and Robin ringtone is still going off. And then after he punches the wall, Jim immediately hangs up the phone and then it's just silent. And everyone's just staring and <laughs> Michael is like, oh God. And then just walks out to run his errand. And so the result of Andy's actions are that he has been sent to anger management for 10 weeks. 10 weeks. And he tries to play it off. I'm going to management training. Anger management, but still management in the title. So he's still trying to <laughs> so, <laughs> make the best of it. Right. But he very much is approaching this in the same way that he approaches his professional career because he says, it's going to be 10 weeks, I'll be done in five, and I'm going to do it. And he says the same thing that he said when he joined the Scranton office, where he says, I'm going to get ahead through name repetition, personality uh, personality mirroring, and something else. Yeah. Before he said said never breaking a handshake, but not not in this case. It's just funny how he thinks that a 10-week program could suddenly – Go to five. Right. As Jim and Pam are getting their prank together, we see some concerns forming with Karen. Right, because if you remember back to the last episode, that's when Karen learned that Jim had feelings for Pam. 
Phyllis revealed that, you know, she's just so happy to see Jim and Karen together because Jim was just hung up on Pam for a long time, which is news to Karen. So she's playing catch up here. She's already had some issues with Jim not wanting her to move two blocks away. So the, the small building blocks have been there. And now Jim and Pam are back together to play this prank. And it sort of involves a lot of close contact between Jim and Pam. Because first, Jim has to steal Andy's phone. And then he goes to take it over to Pam's desk. And... Karen's watching him walk to the desk. Okay, noted there. Then there's the handoff between Pam to Jim to give him back the phone so that he can throw it towards Andy's desk. There's there's a look and recognition from Karen there. And she's watching them walk towards uh, the kitchen area and Pam sort of stand guard. And then after Andy punches the hole in the wall we see Jim and Pam kind of congregating around that and joking around about this hole that's in the wall and Karen also notices this yeah and just sees faces just crestfallen yeah and just sees how friendly they are with each other so towards the end of the episode Jim is seen sitting by himself in the conference room and Karen goes in there sits next to him and asks do you still have feelings for her And Jim just kind of nods and very softly says, yes. And Karen immediately gets up. She's sort of fed up at this point, and and rightfully so. It's just a tough position to be in because she works with Jim, but she also works with Pam. Like, this is just too, too close here. And that's really all we get from them, but... It's This is a do-or-die moment for Jim and Karen's relationship here. Yeah. Kind of happening in the background of this episode is the effects seen by the recent personnel changes. So, as we mentioned earlier, Oscar has returned to work from his paid vacation that he got in the settlement against Michael for the gay witch hunt episode in which Michael kissed him and outed him as a gay man Mm -hmm. and so they are planning a party for oscar and we see angela have a conversation with oscar and angela is very much struggling for a reason that we will get to here shortly but she is kind of having this kind of this emotional reflection on her actions and she says that she just doesn't really like how she has treated Oscar in the past. So as kind of an olive branch, she invites Oscar to be on the party planning committee (laughs) for his own party. Right, right. Plan your own party. And so we see Oscar and Angela and the rest of the party planning committee in the conference room getting ready for this party. And... Michael, as usual, barges in and says that we are not celebrating Oscar's gayness in this party. We are seeing him as a full person and we are going to celebrate Oscar's Mexicanness. Because that's what defines him. Right. According to Michael. Right. And so, Michael, as usual, because he 
is an idiot is putting people in boxes like he has labels for them mm-hmm. it is pam is the hot lady in the office and that's the only way i can interact with her yeah oscar is mexican that's the only thing i know about him and that's the only way i can interact with him yeah so they so michael charges everyone like we need to get firecrackers and burritos and and oscar's like what why don't you just have me riding in on a mule and michael's like yeah great idea if oscar wants a burrow that's what he's gonna get right what ends up happening with the party though is a lot of pinatas um a lot of decorations in the colors of the mexican flag and we see ryan taking a two liter of lemonade and writing some tilde and accent marks on random letters of the word lemonade right as we said angela is very much struggling with something and we see not only her but michael struggling with the same things and that is the absence of dwight yeah they are really upset about his absence and michael doesn't really realize until pam tells him that dwight was the person that arranged the toys on his desk every morning and he watered the plants and angela's realizing michael has always assumed that the cleaning crew was the people watering the plants and kind of straightening his desk and angela's realizing that dwight made this huge sacrifice for her and mostly because she didn't want anyone to know that they were dating and this leads angela to confess to michael angela goes to his office and just says dwight was late that morning because i forgot to send in the quarterly tax forms to corporate and he drove them to new york city and she does not get to the reason why because dwight cares for angela and Michael, who has just been so annoyed with Andy at this point, and who has had this interaction with Jim, in which Jim opened Michael's eyes to the fact that Andy's just a yes man and a butt kisser to him, was like, what? Dwight would do that for just some random coworker? And you want to know why? It's because he loves this company so much. Like, he's having this realization that he loves Dwight's unending loyalty, essentially. And Angela has now saved face with her relationship she's sort of admitted her mistake and she's inspired michael to go and get dwight back so michael heads to the staples that dwight is working at which is the errand that michael's on when andy punches the hole right right and he goes and he speaks to dwight and says angela came clean Angela from accounting. Right. (laughs) And has told Michael why Dwight was late. And he knows why Dwight did that. And Dwight thinks that Angela has spilled everything. Has said, because we are dating, we love each other, whatever. And Michael says, it's because you are a good person, you're loyal, And so it kind of lets Dwight down a little bit. But Michael says, I want you to come back. Yeah. I have made a mistake. I misjudged you. You know, I'm being a big man and admitting this mistake. 
please come back to Dunder Mifflin. And Dwight does. He agrees, and what was supposed to be a welcome back party for Oscar turns into a welcome back party for Dwight. Yes, unfortunately, Oscar's party gets hijacked, and Michael makes this big, grandiose entrance and says, you know, everybody welcome back Dwight Schrute and Dwight's like looking around and he sees the streamers and he sees pinatas and he and he's there's a banner with Oscar's name on it and Dwight's like is this all for me (laughs) and Michael's like yes it is and so that's pretty much how the rest of the episode plays out as we see the party the just the party and there is a moment in the conference room where everybody is gathered around and there's a pinata hanging from the middle of the from the ceiling in the middle of the room and Michael is like you know now is the time to break the pinata and Oscar and Dwight are standing right next to each other and Michael is looks like as if he is handing this broomstick to Oscar and he is actually handing it to Dwight who then refuses to get blindfolded and just attacks the pinata yes along with all the other pinatas and anything hanging from the ceiling in the office and angela just watches on very fondly and sort of all is now right in the world um for angela and michael and dwight who's back at the company that he loves right so with that let's go to the annex with antonette and find out any fun facts about this episode So a lot of good fun facts for this one. Um, So Oscar Martinez was gone. The the actor that plays Oscar Nunez was gone uh, for such an extended time period because he was shooting a TV series called Halfway Home, which aired on Comedy Central. I had always assumed that he was gone shooting The Proposal, but that was actually too early for this time frame. Ed Helms was not actually a series regular at this point. He was only a guest star. And this was the last episode filmed before an eight-week Thanksgiving break, and no one knew if he was coming back. That's why his character was turned up to a 10 Hmm. on the annoyance scale, because it could have been his last episode. Like, them, him being sent to anger management might have been the end of his storyline and it was kind of up to NBC as to whether they were going to extend this character arc out or not and that's kind of shows may like probably shows the the environment of the show because Ed Helms at this moment like his star blows up and so does he leave at this point does he leave to go shoot Hangover the first one sure that might be a no that's about the right time frame for that so ed helms sticks through for somebody that they didn't know if he was coming back or not ed helms makes it through the rest of the run of the show with some breaks here and there probably to go shoot more movies and i mean they make two more hangovers in this time and so I was saying that kind of speaks to the environment around the show that Ed Helms is becoming a big star 
is being put in big movie roles, but keeps coming back to this show because, you know, and he makes it through the rest of the run. Yes. Ed Holmes's mom actually could not watch this episode because she was so turned off by Andy's just terribleness, the whole thing. She said she couldn't even watch the whole thing. So the scenes at Staples where Dwight is working are set in an actual Staples, but Staples got sort of some production rights, if you will, or uh, the chance to see the episode and make changes because they wanted to ensure that they were not being portrayed negatively and they were very particularly concerned about the way that Dwight quit in which he just ripped off his staple shirt and threw it on the carts and walked out, but they did allow for that scene. Finally, in February of 2008, I believe, that's when Ed Helms was finally hired on as a series regular. So I'm just so curious how they did sort of the writing for the remainder of the season and even the plotting of the entire show onwards because he plays a pretty big role. And I do think that sort of helps in this instance to have kind of a bigger cast. And he's a minor character at this point. He's really meant to antagonize Dwight. So he will take on uh, greater story importance in the later seasons. Right, and that kind of, as I alluded to a little bit ago, that kind of coincides with his star rise overall. Yeah, it's really interesting. They caught Steve Carell and Ed Helms as they were really getting to be household names or more recognizable for things beyond just The Office. Right. As for firings in this episode, we see three. Yes. We have Michael getting fired because during the course of the party, we see Pam on inside the conference room and Michael is on the outside of the conference room looking through the window and he has two maracas and he knocks on the window and he says to Pam and he goes holds him up to his chest and says I shake mine and you shake your and Pam stops him right there and he's like no nope so inappropriate right so that of course is as usual sexual harassment from Michael it is his seventh firing this season and his 20th overall rough season for Michael yeah uh, by the way no one else is even in double digits of firings so that kind of shows you how far ahead Michael is here. Yep. Who else do we have? Um, Jim gets fired because he takes Andy's phone. You can't really take somebody's personal property. Which we fired Andy for last episode. Correct. And Pam also gets fired for the same reason, kind of aiding and abetting. Um, for both of them, it is their first firings of this season, and they both have been fired twice in the entire show. And do we have a fourth? Do we fire Andy for destruction of company property? I think that in a rare moment for this show, the punishment that Andy receives is probably in line with what would happen in like the real world. Sort of, yeah, a remedial uh, go fix yourself situation, I guess. Yeah, he'll get, you know, those 10 weeks that or whatever he's gone it's unpaid we'll pay you to go to anger management though and that's where you're gonna be okay what is your dundee for this episode my dundee 
is the best scene setting and that goes to production or whoever is in charge of setting up scenes because the scene with Michael and Dwight in Staples if you listen closely in the background the song Up Where We Belong is playing (laughs) and it's just kind of this very appropriate song for that moment where Michael is coming like with open arms to get Dwight back and Dwight is so happy to see like his mentor come back to you know bring him back to Dunder Mifflin yeah sort of rescue him a little right bit. and so it is just a very appropriate song for to be playing at the time uh what is your Dundee well I forgot to mention in the annex that Steve Carell and Rain Wilson actually had a little bit of trouble getting that scene down and sort of the the timing and how they wanted to do it so it took quite a few shots to get it but I think it, it turned out well so I wonder if that song playing just happened to be playing or I, that had to have been a um a decision made there right and also of note it is like the the department store Muzak right. version of it it's right. not the actual song so it, it kind of even better yeah there. So my Dundee is the best self pep talk, and it goes to Dwight. Um, And that's because in the cold open, we see him saying, I am ready to face any challenge that might be foolish enough to face me. And there is nothing on my horizon except everything. Everything is on my horizon. And I've said that to myself a couple times, like either ironically or for real. And it's just... He's out there and he sort of knows his worth, but it might take a little bit of time to find that job. So I think that's just a really good, if you ever need a, need a little pick me up, just think about Dwight's words here. Nice. Who is your employee of the month? I picked Angela, um, which I don't often do, but just for some self-reflection for recognizing how important her relationship with Dwight is to her and then trying to make amends with Oscar a little bit and realize just kind of how awful she has been to her co-workers she's even awful to Pam though in this episode when she's trying to seek out Pam for help so small baby steps a little bit for Angela what about you my employee of the month is Oscar because he just very much takes things in stride in this episode as we said earlier he has just come back from the paid vacation that he got because of this settlement for michael just basically discriminating against him for being a gay man and michael really just picks up right where he left off when oscar left in doing the exact same things and not only that but Oscar's welcome back party gets hijacked by Michael for Dwight and Oscar's just kind of like throughout all of it is just like okay whatever yeah and so you know that's I that's pretty commendable in in my mind so that does it for this week's episode please follow us on Twitter at downsizing pod to get all the latest updates and keep listening to us on Spotify google podcasts apple podcasts wherever you are listening to us please like comment and rate wherever you can to help get our name out there we appreciate you listening to us and we will see you guys next time bye